0: what's happening viewers and listeners welcome to episode seven of the coffee with sam podcast oh that was hot oh in this episode i talked to deborah fields about how you should approach and look at coaching athletes with autism or learning difficulties so grab your brew sit back and relax on youtube grab your water, download the audio and head on out for that isolation exercise walk. Roll that intro. Morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Look, my hair's coming on well, look. What did you do in the end? I haven't got Alex to, she's even faded it, like the hairdressers. First ever haircut. (laughs)
1: Um but, you, you know, a lot of people find it really difficult, but actually lots of people are really good at a lot of things. What they're frightened of is having a go because they're frightened of the consequence. But and of course, you cannot take the place of a hairdresser, like it's years of training, this, that, and the other if you want to try that. Actually, if you've got someone who's pretty good with their hands, they understand that I'm gonna do that up to there, then I'm gonna take a slightly different people are pretty good. We're yeah, just we, frightened.
0: We had some info from my barber and he said do this, this, this like the simplest way. And then i just get going to the mirror and checking it. Then she's we're gonna do it again. We've got a bit a few bits to, to clean up, but you are seeing some bad hairdo's at the like when you go shopping and stuff when you go out for your <laughs> weekly shopping, some bad, like <laughs> just one levels. I can't bear my hair.
1: As I said, I feel like an eighty year old grandma at the moment, but because it I it's gotta grow. Like I'm waiting for it to grow after chemo. I was completely bald this time last year. So I mean it's not just long. Bald, I like my head, it was completely it's it was sort of here it was all pink and my hair's been pink and lilac for the last 15-20 years like long before people were doing it uh, it's really trendy isn't it to go pale gray and pinks and all sorts of stuff but again you know there's lots of bad color
0: jobs out there
1: and stuff it's just it's all learning isn't it
0: how um no flight yeah flight school you were bored weren't you yeah completely yeah i remember completely
1: yeah um and it's not just bald people don't get it it's not that you've got hair and you've taken it off there is no hair so there's no hair on your face all that fuzzy bits that lots of people are trying to shave off so they did a makeup better or just the little hairs in your nose or your ears all the stuff that protects you and even the hairs on your arms that keep you a little bit warmer everything is gone so it's not like you it's not you've had a shave and you can feel stubble on your leg or something it's fallen out from the actual root of the hair so there's just nothing so you don't have like a i shaved my head when i came back i think it was my second or third chemo And um, someone said to me is your hair coming out yet we were on a fan call and i said don't think so and i put my fingers in my hair because i'd cut it short i'd sort of like half shaved the sides and had it cut short put my hands in it and i just pulled out this handful of hair and i went oh Oh, maybe it is. And then I tested on the other side and it was, and they came over and there was, so there's a few of us here and I literally just, they went, Oh, you're okay. And I went, "Yep, yeah, got to be done. I just knelt over and just did a number one over the whole of my head ready, because that was the only way to do it. Put it in a Sainsbury's bag, nice bright orange Sainsbury's bag and just went, wow. Okay and the person who i was on the phone to just sort of like did the back of my head as well just to help me out a bit because they're male and very used to clippers and it was like yeah it's crazy
0: yeah i couldn't i'm not gonna pretend that i know what that feels like i can imagine it's a bit of a weird weird time but
1: i think it depends how you identify yourself so how you are socially and how you feel recognized and how you balance with other people so if you like my hair really matters to me and that everyone knows me as that woman with slightly pink and lilac faded hair that pulls forward. Although growing up, they'd have known me with curly hair because I've got actually curly hair. So there's something about me that was a response to it that definitely wants to grow my hair quite long. And then what I might do is really sort of like bleach it and fade it from a, a pale pink into a purple eventually. But it damages your hair so badly as well because you have to bleach it. And, and eventually stops your hair from growing and it causes
0: a lot of damage. Yeah, so I think this is the first week I've actually seen your hair, Deb. Every other week it's been scraped back with the um, the lightener, yeah. the toner. Yeah. I've been using that toner stuff. <laughs> and is it working? It looks like it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just the, it's the back here, but yeah, it's, it's not as ginger. It's more of a dark blonde now. Yeah, the back and yes,
1: the... so it does take away the red. That's what it does. So there's loads of good colour restores and stuff you can do that and... The, the key as well to bleaching, a lot of people lose their hair, she says, after having been to a very good hairdresser, is we tend to bleach too late or too soon. So around sort of like what this hairdresser was telling me, around six weeks is what you just want to do is just the roots. If you leave it any longer, you get this overlapping system, apparently according to hairdressers, what do I know? And then that's when you bleach, like you do it every nine or 10 or 12 weeks, and that's when some of it breaks off. So it's quite, you have to do it quite regularly on the roots.
0: Oh uh, because yeah, suppose if you go... Going... You put it on the roots, that's fresh, but then you're putting it on the rest of the hair that's not fresh. So it's just doubling up, doubling up, doubling up. Yeah, I get that. Yeah,
1: so they say put it on the roots every six weeks, then fade it out and then wash it out, something along those lines. But as again, not a qualified hairdresser, ask well, a <laughs> barber.
0: We've bought people a good five minutes of hair advice again this week. Like, we're bringing <laughs> all sorts of knowledge on this uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, so this
0: week, we have a question from a viewer slash listener. Um and it is do you approach kids with special needs such as autism autism adhd differently for training or competition um he has a a child that competes in a sport and he sometimes can get everything he can't get everything so on on competition days he will do what he needs to do but some mm-hmm. days he will still just have a meltdown um yeah so-
1: it, it's a very simple answer. It's yes and no. <laughs> Sorry about that. But it is yes and no. Because so like, let's talk about the sort of mental health illnesses. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to cover autism. Like, I'll cover that as a main one today. People can ask about other things. You are very likely to see. So I, I did a talk yesterday, um, about a half hour talk as part of Kenny and Lisa's blossom to kids about how to deal with a crisis. And, you know, at the moment in America, for example, one in a hundred mental health issues, one in a hundred people have anxiety. So you're in your gym on average, you are going to see an awful lot of anxiety, maybe not properly. uh, You know, a lot of people say I've got anxiety. A lot of people's parents say they've got anxiety, but actually they haven't had it properly clinically diagnosed and a lot of people do the same with depression and other things so in your gym you are likely to see some mental health issues um i think ironically one in a hundred people also have some form of autism aspect on the autistic spectrum so one in a hundred so if you have a hundred kids in your gym you are likely to see autism if you have a hundred kids in your gym especially more female one in 11 on average self-harm so you have at least 10 self-harmers if not more nine anywhere between oh. eight and 11 self-harmers that's a that's um, a
0: horrific statistic sti- statistic
1: yeah and it's 12. also unrealistic because when i deal with children if i'm working with a child who self-harms not some people don't know i mean i have different moral obligation obligations and duties and safeguarding and different things that's not that's not relevant to this bit but some people haven't known that they've been self-harming for months for years or whatever and and parents and coaches can overreact causing um quite serious issues as well so you're getting an awful lot of self-harmers you know anorexia is on the increase if you look at the imaging that the image that people want to have and how it works so i used to be a clinical supervisor and a training director of an eating disorders clinic in london and i i it's it's a complex issue to work with anorexia is is such a killer it's still the biggest killer of mental health for young women and suicide is the biggest for younger men so you know we are clearly how we we're not dealing with mental health issues very well in this country we've got cams we've got the things they're overrun they can't deal with it a lot of people in cams are social workers who aren't who are taught how to deal with mental health, but they're not trained in mental health, not in the way that your psychologist, your psychotherapist, your your counselor, or your psychiatrist are. So they all do different things, those people at different levels, but that's our training. So there's a difference there, and that's really tough because, and the social care network has a very different approach they come from safeguarding, got to do the right thing. Whereas you find your psychologists and your psychiatrist and psychotherapists have safeguarding, but they also come from beneficence. What is better for this person right now? And I think that's where coaches have to come from, beneficence. What is the best move right here, right now? So you're going to see kids with anxiety, stress. They might have domestic violence at home. That's quite high. You will see a percentage of children that have been abused be and have some kind of trauma so that might be physical emotional sexual Um, you might not know that you know so and so is homeless or so and so comes and so many you don't know a lot of these things and that's the problem so what we what we need from parents if you if you're running a gym what we need as human beings is for parents to tell us what's going on and or the child to tell us what's going on which is why it's so important in your gym to promote talking makes a difference However, with autism, that might be slightly different. So, do you know what autism is? Do you understand autism at all? Like you, as a human being, and as a gymnast and a cheerleader and a human um, being.
0: No, I've, I've actually got a niece who's got it, um, okay. but I think when it's family, I, I've never looked into it because I just see her as she's. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't see that she's got autism as such.
1: It's
0: um, her. Yeah, it's just it's just yeah. who she is. Um, so yeah no I'm not going to pretend that I do know to be honest
1: and I think people don't but however I think what you've just said is really important because that's really important too but that's the yes and the no I think it's really important to see a human being as a human being and sometimes it's also a good idea to understand some of the situations that they're in, go through, suffer from so we can make their environment more friendly for them Um, you know if you've got someone who has some kind of issue, mental health issue, or anything else as well, or physical issue, disabilities, different things. And that's, this is so, there's a slight difference here because autism isn't a mental health issue, it's a development disab- it's de- developmental disability. So that's slightly different to having a mental health issue. However, people with autism can have mental health issues. Um, they can have different things that go along with it as well. So they might have learning disabilities, mental health issues, they might need different forms of support especially as a lot of people don't know how to handle autism some people say jesus that kid's having a meltdown actually they're not they've got autism that's why and then some parents might say well what do you expect me to do they've got autism actually you can still do something there's a balance between all of those so it's a spectrum condition so it can go from over here to over here like one of those old clapometers um and people can be anywhere. So whilst some people on the spectrum may share certain aspects that are similar, they're all pretty different and it affects them in different ways. So everyone with autism is different, the same as you and I are in our own way as well. Um, and lots of people maybe heard of Asperger's or Asperger's, pronounce it how you want. Um you can make your own call there. That is also another form of autism, and someone with Aspergers is way more likely to be higher on the good old um, intellectual scale as well they've got above average intelligence on average but what a lot of people have the similarity is about processing language communication it's about learning it's a little bit more complex and people might have dyslexia and dyspraxia that might go along with it and dyslexia is trouble with reading and dyspraxia is trouble awareness of space and and how people are so as I said it's quite a few people as well it's one in a hundred and it it affects everybody in every way there isn't so on average um, when you look at it, although there is over a 40% increase in eating disorders in men, it is a quite a female, white, middle-class issue. That doesn't mean other people don't get it when it comes to eating disorders. However, there are certain aspects, whereas with autism, across the spectrum completely, everybody can get it in some way, shape or form. So what you've got with autism is what you'll find is it's about social communication and social interaction. So it's It can be, how do I talk to someone? How do I hear and process information? How do I get what they're saying on their face? I don't understand what it is that they're saying because they process differently. I say they, this is some some of the time, not all, all of the time. So there's a difference in processing. Um, So social communication, social interaction, it can also be a lot of people who've read about autism or seen a film with someone who's autistic. And you see things like repetitive patterns of behavior, keeping a very strict regime in place to make the person feel safe. So that's there. And it's also how people process the sensory information around them. So about different things. So all of those things come into it. So again, verbal, nonverbal communication that makes a difference, Uh, small talk and banter. You know you have a laugh with someone you go, shut up oh my god did you see that and an autistic person may just look at you and go don't get it right. nothing don't get it and you've got to remember that when it comes to a gym small talk banter a little bit of bullying sometimes you know because banter can drift into bullying fairly easily different things small talk develops relationships friendships makes you part of a team and if somebody is more on the spectrum than someone else they might not be able to do that so And they're scared they might get misread, judged, misrepresented, they'll say something that's completely inappropriate or overreact. Um, I saw a little boy for a long time who was nearly expelled from school for reacting quite violently to something that somebody else did. Somebody poked him in the ribs very hard, he reacted in a certain way and it was quite extreme and, and this other boy was hurt and he was nearly expelled and no one said anything about the autistic spectrum when he came to see me, but when he sat with me and I was like, this, this child, this child was 13 at the time. It's clearly very high functioning, very clever, but look at all these traits. And I, I remember talking to mum saying, do you recognize any of these sort of things? If I say them, she's like, yeah, 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 did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was so obvious that he was on the spectrum, but this incredible family high functioning done really well, but these little bits of behavior that are poking that poked through caused no end of issues. And you know, I saw him for quite a while. He learned about emotions. <coughs> he was <coughs> very low on the spectrum. However, it was there and, and he's done brilliantly. So he's gone. So, and and you know, from me, so he's gone on and done really well and he didn't do sports and didn't do football bits and pieces because of this sort of stuff. So what about that could impact a gym is really important. So you've got to remember most of what we do is verbal. We, you know, on the extreme end of autism, somebody won't even speak. It feels like everything is flooding their senses. It's all too noisy and it's all too much and it's all too painful. And communication can be a problem if that feels like that person's trapped in that And we don't really know what's happened or why—genetics, environment, all sorts of Um, stuff—and you can't really tell if someone's got it from looking at them. (laughs) That's the other thing. No, like okay. Um, Also, what's interesting around five—the ratio is five to one about gender. So, for every five boys that are diagnosed in the UK, one girl is diagnosed. So it's less likely, but it's also less recognized in women because on average, the way women are brought up is to cope more. I'm really sorry to talk about genders and do huge generalities, but often, maybe not now so much, but often it's been, the girl has to cope, she has to help, she has to do this, she has to do that. Sometimes the boys don't. And I really understand that that's changing in life, but that, just that alone, that teaching. So a lot of girls aren't diagnosed with autism until they're adults. It comes a lot later, oh. a lot later. Um, I have an autistic man in his thirties. I have an autistic woman in her twenties, both diagnosed. And as I said, I've just let go of an autistic boy. And that's not defining them. I'm just defining what they've got. That, that's not the way I see them and I can't use their names. So that's the way I see them, their names, their humans. Does it
0: change with
1: age? Um, it can do depending on where they are on the spectrum because what it what they've done is that it's not that the autism itself necessarily changes, it's that they've learned how to deal with life and how to deal with people. So thinking of the guy in his 30s, you know, he, he you can, so if you were to sit with him in a pub, you might think, I wonder, you might do, um, when he sits with me. I absolutely know because I'll get his, he's got a list of things that are very specific about what he wants to talk about. What do I do here? Is this right? Is this wrong? What do I say about here? I want to say this, would this be wrong? And sometimes the answer is it would be really wrong. Don't say that ever in public. So it's it's things like that. It's the understanding. So the more he sees me, the more he learns what's acceptable and what isn't to say. So, you know, somebody on the spectrum can come across as rude or disinterested or too much or saying something you think, why would you say
0: that? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's quite hard. And you you know, like, there's a lot of banter in the gym, isn't there? If you can't banter, what do you do? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so have you ever come across athletes with autism? And how did you, how would you deal with that? So say like, oh no, what we talked about the last, a lot of the symptoms of what we talked about in the last podcast, really, like going through the anxiety, going through the, the fear, scared before comp, how would you deal with someone on the spectrum to someone who's not on the spectrum?
1: Right. So, so what you've got to remember is someone who's more severely on the spectrum rather than somebody who's quite lightly on the spectrum. Everything matters when it comes to communication. So it could be physical boundaries. Don't come too close or come closer, like really uncomfortable empathy, not going to get it. A lot of people, some People with autism will not understand empathy. They just don't get it. They also don't look in your eyes a lot. Some of them, some of the time, there's a lot of a lack of eye contact. It's a lot like this, looking around. Um, So people can be on the spectrum. And yes, I have dealt with athletes on the spectrum. Reciprocal conversation, isn't there? So that's another issue. You know, that normally you say something, you you expect something back. Um, formal language comes into this so a lot of people with autism are very formal in their language because they've learned it and they've also going to have a very interesting interpretation of language the way it's used so um i've told to do this i've got to do that how do i do that so if you if you take an extreme example so when we say something to somebody okay look you need to get it into your head right let's say we say something like, you've got to get this into your head someone who's severely on the spectrum will say Okay. And for the whole of that football game or for the whole of that next routine, they're going to be thinking, how do I put this in my head? Cause that's what the coach told me to do. What do I do? Do I, do I swallow it? Do I drill it through literal conversation? So that really changes too, because what some people, and also tone of voice, that person's really angry at me. No, they're not. It's a tone of voice. All of those things come into it. Um, plus change people don't like change who are on the spectrum a lot so how can that help how can we work with someone along those lines what you've got to think of is that a lot of people on the spectrum will take your tone of voice your eye contact all of those things in different ways and it's not "Oi, look at me or whatever like really inappropriate sometimes so it but it could be um that you turn around and you say like whoever the person is hey john you all right catch their eye gentle soft slow tone of voice different because what a lot of athletes can't do who who are on the spectrum is they can't do hypothetical thinking i need you to think about this well what will happen if you do that what will happen if you drop it and they'll just go don't know you need to tell them you need to say if you do this and then this happens and then this happens these are the two or three possibilities that are going to happen and this is the possibility that we want so in order to get that possibility this is what we're going to do and then you need to inform them so you might get a parent new has You say exactly what's happening what's happening what are we going to do at what time at what time at what time and you might get annoyed as a coach but that parent could also be on the spectrum That in order to feel safe, I need to know exactly what's happening. Because a lot of people who are on the spectrum will have some form of anxiety because they're so scared about getting it right and getting it wrong, That they're really worried about
0: what's going to happen. So just a bit like like you have to do, which is the hardest part of coaching a team sport, you just have to treat everyone as an individual. Yeah, slightly. Some athletes you would shout at, some athletes you'd be nice to. I've had athletes say to me, "Why don't you praise me enough?" And I say, "Because you don't actually work hard enough. If I praise you, if I don't praise you, you work harder. As soon as I start to praise you, um, you will drop your level of intensity to how hard you're training." And they're like, "Oh," and that's and I will
1: praise you at the other end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're there, and because the other thing you've got to remember when it comes to autism and you know training and different things is single focus. So. In cheer, we're asking for quite a lot of focus. I want you to think about what tumble's coming. I want you to think about, let's say you're a base. I want you to think about how you're about to hold that person to make sure you've got a proper grip. I want you to make sure you're in the right place and that grip's in the right place so it's not illegal. We don't want a legality. Like that's a a hell of a ton of points missed for no good reason whatsoever unless it's a performance issue. Um, You want this person to think about whether that person's safe. You want them to think about the space around them Um, or if they're a fly, you know, it depends. Like they've got to think about their. Everyone's got to think about their face, what they're doing. Everyone's got to think about the music being in time. Everyone's got to think about getting the move, right? Legalities, making sure that everyone is safe around them. That is a hell of a lot of focus and people on the spectrum. Find it some, some of the time, again, you've got to look at the person you're dealing with. So this is just some, some of the time. What you've got to look at is single focus. If you, you know, really, if you've got someone who's more heavily on the spectrum, so like if you're starting to go into SCN or different levels, like because we've got different teams, haven't we? Yep. If you've got someone who's on just your general team over here, single focus is really important. So ask them, just concentrate on this, focus on this. Because actually the rest will probably happen and they'll be okay. But they have single, some some people on the spectrum will tell, tell you they have single focus attention. And if they have single focus attention, concentrating everything else around means that's not going to happen and all of a sudden the person's on the floor or if it's so for example if you've always got a stunt um if you've got someone who's basing it might be better for them to be in a certain position all the time when they're basing rather than swapping and changing with a different yeah. stunt or it might be better to say that they're maybe the back base and they always hold in a certain way because of that that's going on so they're always doing something slightly different but very similar rather than switch 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 i huh, don't know what i'm doing
0: is autism a it's a is it not, i don't say not a birth defect is it, is it something you are born with more than a condition that you can get over time
1: well okay you there's many arguments about this at the moment so that we're not researchers are absolutely investigating and finding out what's happening with this because it's a combination of factors so far that we're aware of. And that is that it is genetic and it is environmental and the environmental aspects can account for the changes in brain development because that's there as well. And sometimes what you've got to remember is I said, it's hidden. So a lot of women get, they, they're diagnosed later. It's not because they've never had it and all of a sudden it's there. It's because they've hidden it brilliantly for a very long time. So like the little boy I'm talking about, came to me at 13 left me at 15 was very, no one ever knew but when I turned around and said okay can I just ask this 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 and this as far as developmental skills go uh friendships personalities routines bedroom habits when I went through this she was like "We've oh, done all of those and it was like okay now I'm not allowed to diagnose and I said to her go and get him diagnosed and, and go and see what you think but of course getting someone diagnosed getting the the right sort of responses that you need aren't always out there and he didn't need a diagnosis because he wasn't right over here on the spectrum but in in order to understand him and work with him if if i can consider that that spectrum is there and that is him and it is part of him so what we did for the first months and months actually was his mum was in all the sessions because it was all about psychoeducation it was all about understanding and processing and going back and then eventually he was in the sessions by himself. We we did that change. And then last summer when I had cancer, I changed all my flooring. I warned him. I said to him, next time when you come in this room, instead of a wooden floor, there's going to be more of a stone looking floor tiles. And it's going to feel different and be different. How would you like us to handle that? What would you like me to do about that? Because it is going to be different. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, I'm really glad you've told me what sort of color is it? And I said, well, it's already in my kitchen. Let's go in my kitchen. Let's go and have a look. And he, okay. And he touched it. He touched the floor. So the sensory differences are different. So that can be about touch. It can be sight, sound, smell. Um, It can be about taste. It can be about personal body awareness, or it can even be about balance. They're your main senses. So to him, it was really important. He had a look and he went, oh, okay, I can deal with that. And when he walked in, I mean, if I even moved the slightest thing, he would say, that's
0: different. So, a bit more, more aware of what's going on than just going into a room.
1: Completely. And the person, actually, the person to absolutely trust, because in some respects, the positivity of that, the strength, oh my God, the problem solving skills. You want attention to detail in a routine, or you want someone to really get the problems ironed out, or you want the person who's really reliable to say, you're doing that wrong. There's your person, without a doubt. Great at that. Great attention to detail. So, and this isn't, and again everyone's different this is just some of it some of the time so they're also very reliable and loyal they're very unlikely to leave you they're very again they i'm using they as a generalism i can't change this conversation so it isn't everyone all the time just when you need to do that so you know people on the spectrum are very conscientious very committed very loyal and really want to work and get on and do well so using that as a positive is fantastic remember as well though, if from a sensual perspective, um, from a senses perspective, when you're talking about hearing really loud music and many really different things, it's like, oh, I can't deal with that. So there's those things as well. So actually sometimes, you know, it can even be a good idea if you've got someone quite heavily on the spectrum to say, you know, let's just buy you some very light um, earbud type things to put in your ears so that it's not as loud. Because let's face it, cheer is allowed.
0: And is that just, so does the loud thing come in with, that they can't then focus on their, their one thing that they need to focus on because there's something drowning that out and it's, ah, I can't focus on cheer because of how loud it is.
1: Well, they'll, it's because it's different. So you've got to work out what that means. So they might be fine if it's really loud and they might not, or it might be in competition. There's too much stimulus going on around them. So it's about focus in talk to me so let's say this is jonathan not even made up john like in like focus in talk here um because i'll be doing this because it's all confusing and bewildering yeah. and actually can be quite disturbing and upsetting sometimes so you might get some rocking and different things going on again depending on well, where they are
0: yeah they are, yeah so going on this uh listener's question it sounds like their child isn't this end of the scale it's more he said he mentioned adhd too um so is that that's down the lower end of the the autism scale um it's connected to autism so you might see
1: related conditions so autism may or may not be diagnosed but it's often diagnosed alongside adhd It, it can be it can be diagnosed with other things as well so you'll get a real myriad of different things so like i said i think i mentioned dyslexia and dyspraxia i've already mentioned um uh what else have i mentioned oh any form of um anxiety and there are different things that can happen so
0: that's that's where i was going to go with that question deb is um if it's not like noises and all that type of thing because they're down the, the end where you can't see it um would would you deal with it the same as we spoke about dealing with anxiety and say you got to a competition or they were at any competition so maybe it's not just it's not noise it's a competition without noise or so it's, it's not loud but that the parents gone through all their normal stuff but something's just spooked them and and had, had a meltdown well,
1: yeah so you could do but again it's about the individual so you need to find out what it is because if for them it's social communication or social interaction in some way Putting them out there to deal with a lot of people isn't going to help either. It might not even be nice. small talk, banter, literal thinking. So it is a question of planning. What is it you will need from me when we go somewhere when things are going to change? What do you want from me? What will make you feel safe? And sometimes you just have to watch the literal thinking, the literal discussion. Come on, guys, you've got this. Have I? What have I got? <laughs> what, what, what do I do now? I haven't got it. What was it? I've got like literal thinking. So you have to you have to work out what your person, the human being in front of you, has or processes slightly different to the other human beings in front of you. Now, to an extent, a team we'll all process things differently because all human beings do. And we all like different things in different ways. We have different things that talk to us, the way we learn, the way we function, the way we think are all really different. But if you've got somebody who maybe struggles with empathy and someone's really upset, they're not going to get it. Are they? And you know, you've got, if I'm really excited afterwards and everyone's going, Oh my God, I can't believe we won or, Oh my God, I can't believe we did so badly. And you've got the person with autism going, well, I I did all right. I think I did quite well there.
0: I'm really glad that happened not feeling that whole
1: yeah and so you've got to find out what is it that that human being feels and has and how they work and then work out a little bit of a plan between you and the parents together now i'm also gonna have a little bit of a go in a very loving kind way at parents right now a lot of parents of kids will be over protective and not want them exposed to anything and that's not healthy either because I mean, depending on the, the spectrum as well. If you've got someone right over here, this is not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting about children on the lower end of the spectrum. So if you've got a child on the lower end of the spectrum, actually some exposure creates some tolerance because they learn that they can handle it. If you've got a parent who says, well, I, what, what do you expect of them? They've got autism. What do you want from them? They've got autism. I don't deal with that. They've got autism. That becomes an excuse instead of a, how can we work with this child and help them? feel okay in and of themselves um, and sometimes it's not seen so and, and actually and it, having a go at that parents got nothing to do with autism has it because how many times as a coach have you had a parent come up to you and say my child needs this and they don't or how many times have you been away with kids like if, if you go to worlds or if you go to summit or if you go to nca and you take a group of kids abroad the amount of parents that come up to you and say my child needs this. This is the list. They've got to do that. They take this tablet. They need this. They've got to do that. And they won't eat this and they won't drink that. And and they don't drink water or they don't do this. They do now because, because, and it's really interesting. And they, they don't need a lot of what we do because I'm a parent. Believe me, I have overprotected my kids, but what children need is some exposure to not okayness. They need exposure to failure. They need exposure to coping mechanisms. So when that emotional wave rides up and we're like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh Actually, yeah, I can, I'm all right now, it's going. Um, but what we tend to do as parents and as human beings is we cut the crest of that wave off completely near the top so that that child doesn't develop the skills to tolerate distress oh you okay have an ipad oh you're not all right some drink oh do you want some food oh i'll buy it for you Uh, maybe not and it's the same when when our child is on a spectrum or our child isn't okay or a child has a physical or a mental disability or a mental illness or a physical illness whatever they've got expect more from them because they're incredible. Human beings are incredible. So try not to overprotect your child sometimes. It's a good thing that they learn a little bit of distress tolerance. Everything is within balance. So what I'm saying is you have to understand what's going on for the child as a coach and help them develop distress tolerance. So sometimes it's just thinking about how you deal with them and what you do.
0: So say this is like an, 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 an individual sport. We keep talking about team sport um would it be the same get the same effects and would you have to do the same um take the same protocols of approach and seeing us trying to focus in on something um well people with autism
1: can develop an intense interest and passion about one thing be that an individual or a team sport or reading or different things as well so again especially if they um have aspergers they're very intelligent as well and will probably go for that um So an individual sport seems quite a natural choice, but actually learning to play in a team, learning to do something a little bit different is really good. There's nothing wrong with individual sports either. That's really important as well, but that will just promote that individuality. Whereas working in a team sport, you've got to think about what that person needs. Do I overload them with information or just give them this next bit? I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. This is the way it is. You're part of this team. This is what you've got to learn to do. But I mean the best advice for someone with autism, keep it clear, keep it basic. That's it. Planned, clear, basic.
0: Awesome. So would would the you no know, like the focusing we did we talked about last, last week about the anxiety? Would any of that work? So So again, that's what
1: I was trying to answer, right? I was saying it depends on the child or it depends on the athlete because for example if you do something like a 54321 method and you imagine lots of tastes and smells that might be too much and too confusing um and then it takes all their senses in which they're not good at it might just be good that they focus on breathing in for four and breathing out for seven simple basic squeezing their bottom don't do anything else just squeeze your bottom like you know that's it um notice tell me if you can see any red around the room so again go more basic can you see any purple around the room yes keep them here so keep things more basic if they're feeling stressed and anxious
0: awesome so like yeah so probably just before about to go and compete or whatever they're doing maybe this parent could be not making things worse but by trying to cope to a list of things that they think the child needs maybe it's a bit too much i'm a parent i made things worse
1: of course I did. So, so will you, if you ever become a parent, if that's the road you want to go down, so will everyone else. Because what people don't realize is is, is if you say my child needs all of these things and, and then they really need some help. Um, sometimes just backing off I think I told you the story of a lad I was working with quite a while ago long 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 time ago who was on stage and we were doing a show I was I was working with lots of kids on how to bring them out themselves with shows and different things so it had children who were very capable all of my daughters were in these shows they could all sing and my kids are like the von traps we can sing in harmonies it's a nightmare my mum's family were brought up like that so were us so so were we us so were we so you know put us in a car and start singing a musical you've got a three-part harmony going on it's all really boring and everyone who sits with us just goes, what's going on? Cause you are literally sitting with a bomb traps from the sound of music. And my mum's family are like that as well. So, you know, it's, we put these shows on. So I had really capable people in it. And as far as singing is concerned, and maybe not so capable people as far as singing is concerned or really capable people as far as drama was concerned, everybody had like a costume made in different things. And this lad was standing on the stage and he was, struggling he had Tourette's slightly as well and I watched some of the ticks start to develop because he couldn't remember his poem what he was about to say he was just saying a poem and I was sitting next to his mum and I felt his mum get to go up and I put my hand on her knee and I said as his parent I would want to get up right now but you've got to trust me and started to tick his head started to flicker a little bit and I was like oh god please come on and he started saying his poem with some tears in his eyes and I started crying, mum started crying, I could cry now thinking about it. He said his poem, his head was held up high, not a tick, not a swear word, nothing. And he was brilliant. He but
0: normally, was brilliant. At, normally at home or when he was younger, his mum would have then intervened at that moment. Yeah. yeah, and then he would have been like, "Oh, yeah, I just can't do it." Whereas he had to get through it, and he got himself yeah. through it. Yeah. And
1: don't get me wrong; it's very painful. Forty to fifty seconds. It was incredibly painful. And then when he'd done that, like, he got this biggest roar. Like this, this, these crowds were all supportive. I did one of these shows every year for these, for all sorts of kids, um, and whatever you know, they would have fifty, sixty, seventy kids in. Sometimes you know, he would say, "Oh, they can't sing that." You know, if I did. Christian Aguilera is beautiful. Like with a three part harmony, you can't teach those kids to sing that. Watch me. Yeah, I can. And we did. But then when we came off, like I wouldn't have any parents in the dressing room for a while. I spoke to these kids afterwards and I said, right, this is about to happen. This is what's going to happen. Very basic. And I grabbed him and I said, your mum is going to come in and say all these things. And, but for me, the most important thing that's just happened is you learn to push through something. I'm really proud of you. Well done. She goes, oh my God, you're brilliant. They all come in and they love them because that's what we do, don't we? We do it in cheer as well. Like you watch your kid come off and you go, oh my God, you're like a goddess or a god. You're so incredible. I love you. And, And I see the opposite. Like when a child comes off crying, sometimes if I'll grab them and say, right, okay, the parent wants to come over and console. I'm not consoling part of me is but i'm helping them through that emotional wave so they can learn distress tolerance whereas what the parent wants to do is just give them a hug and make it all okay but what does your child do if they don't get a hug so we have to teach and that kid by the way went up to edinburgh university in the end ended up on the bloody debating society awesome awesome human like if we just give children slightly different options and different choices and he was in loads of these shows and they all helped him develop and he loved his music and he also plays in a band like everything developed for him because he wasn't stunted and cheer doesn't stunt people it allows them to grow that's what it'll do here working as part of a team whether you're autistic or whatever else you've got, you know, if someone calls you, if you've got a kid who's self harming and another kid says, what's that? That kid will have to interact and have to say, and then maybe they'll start talking because it will show with some of the uniforms that are around, depending on where they self harm, for example, or, you know, if somebody's losing too much weight, another kid might say, I'm really worried about you. You look like you're going to snap. Whereas an adult would never say that, you know, you know, because we don't, because we, we, Temper what we say, yeah. and you might get the same if a child's put on a ever such a lot of weight. You know, children say things very directly, or children whether it's weight related, whether it's something visual or different. Mummy, why is that person like that? And we go, Shh. <laughs> got your hand over their mouth, and actually, it's just, just go and talk to them, to find out, do the opposite. Yeah. So, go on. No, carry on. Well, just so. Autism is just one aspect. You're going to find a lot of things and there's so much online that you can find out. There's some great different things that you can do. So practical strategies around uh, autism around social communicators, check for understanding, use language that's clear and really easy and precise in different ways. Ask them how they like to be communicated with and understand that some people won't be able to maintain eye t- contact with you when you talk to them. So be clear. And sometimes on the extreme end that can be picture symbols, cards, visualisation, lots of things. Now we're going to do this, next we're going to do that. Again, that's a real clarity that's really handy. Um, warn other people about social interaction as much as you can. Do one activity, encourage that as much as you can. Um, If that person wants to spend time alone, let them, because that's really important. That's okay. Um, If people have very restrictive patterns of behaviour and work in different ways, don't promise anything that can't be guaranteed. Don't tell them that something is an absolute if they really need routine. Um, Say them that some of this will be changing all the way through, but what I want you to do is come and check with me and I will keep you informed. So that helps too, or pre-explore the environment. I'm going to walk you through. So like, so for example, like, you know, if you go somewhere really scary like Worlds or uh, NCA or Summit, or you know, when their warm up is completely different to ours, and it's like Jesus, you're queuing here, and this is the number structure, and goes the buzzer, and you're going to go here, and you're going to do this, or you have to walk all the way through here for summit and go around here, and there's all these posters, and there's too much distraction. Walk them through that first of all. Explain to somebody that this person needs this help, and and help doing that, or take pictures of it, a video. You do a video and say this is what it looks like. That can really help as well. Um, if so sensory strategies are slightly different so you have to look at what makes the child okay or not so you look at aids for that as well because um athletes will vary as to how they see their senses so that you've got to think about that so they might certain lighting might put them off so you might be able to say to somebody can you turn off that massive flood spotlight please or it might be the noise could you just turn it down a little bit or you give them some kind of ear defender or something if it's a smell there's not a lot you can do maybe put like a little some kids will use like You can buy menthol lipsticks that used to help people cry as actors and actresses, for example, if you can't do it yourself. So something under the nose, like some Vicks or something to stop a different smell. So it helps do it. So you just got to be very vigilant. Um, and, And if the child comes off and they hate touch and you think there's an injury, actually if they hate touch they might have a very high tolerance for pain because no one ever checks it because they're not going to moan about it because they don't want to be touched so you've got to be vigilant when checking for injuries and bits and pieces and you've got to work out how some of these children have um good communication and what that means and and they're all different for different children so it depends on the sensory system that comes into it as well um yeah
0: great so to to wrap that up there deb and to try and give it on a not a not um like a i can't think like a plan structure is to have a plan to be focused on the simplest things like to keep it simple and sometimes don't be too focused on that plan try and back off a little bit
1: yeah i mean if you look up if you look up autism and there's an inclusion spectrum called step you can look at that so the all, all things you can look up there's spell which you can look at as well which is is their spell framework which is all about mm, uh, structure positive approach i think it is managing expectations empathy how to understand that somebody may not get on with that looking at low arousal, so everything isn't too high um, and links. So that means coaches, you've got to start looking at something, reading around and seeing what you can do. And that makes a real difference. Um, if you, There is a download that you can have that's from the National Autistic Society, which is all about autism, sport and physical activity. Um, It's really easy. It's written by a woman called Amy Webster. That's where I've got most of my information from. That's something I've read many times. There's great books, you know, I think what's the two books? There's one about cats and dogs, something like my cat has um, autism and my dog has ADHD because the dog's like, what's next? Squirrel. And the cat is just like, I'm not even engaging. So there's quite a few brilliant little books that you can get as well um, that, you know, help explain stuff to different people. And just sometimes reading something like that can help. And what a lot of kids with autism won't communicate is feelings. So sometimes I've got feelings cards that are used. Where are you feeling that in your body? So tell me what's happening. I'm not feeling anything. So my tummy's churning a bit. Okay, so you might be a little bit nervous. So it's an edu- education opportunity as such. Teach.
0: Great, so I hope that has answered our listeners question. Um, and I'm sure I'll get some feedback on that if anybody else has, has any other questions that like me and Deb or me and another guest to cover then um, message me message Deb um, yeah let's wrap that up there then Deb all right so I will see you next week yes you will have a great day Deb and you see you later. later bye bye we're gonna wrap that up by saying bye to you the viewers and the listeners I hope that answered our question from our um, viewer and i hope they can start implementing things on game day thanks again for following the podcast don't forget to subscribe to podbean to get the audio or subscribe to our youtube i will bring in you podcasts weekly during this isolation period stay safe stay sane stay healthy Ooh, that was a good (laughs) hotline. Wrap that up there. Much love. Peace. Signing out.